good morning. I'm Pastor Mike, lead pastor of Overlake Christian Church. We are so excited that you're here today. In a few moments, we'll be singing a couple of songs as we enter into worship. And then you'll hear a message from one of our pastors as we journey through the book of Acts this summer. All together, we'll be here for just over an hour. Here at Overlake, we believe that connection is everything. We would love for you to connect with those sitting around you in the service and in the hallway afterwards. Throughout the summer, we'll be hosting events that provide opportunities to connect with others here at OCC, as well as in your community. If you want to find out more, please stop by the Connection Center after the service. Today is your first time with us. Welcome. We are so glad you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, please swing by the Connection Center in the hallway after the service. There you will find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. Here at Overlake, there are many opportunities to serve and to get involved. If you'd like more information about any of the various ministries, from Kidtown Children's Ministry, student ministries, to behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, then note that in the connection card in your handout, and we will make sure to get you all the information you need. Thanks so much for being here today. We believe that church is more than just a building to gather in on a Sunday, but a family that can come together to worship the God who loves us and then head out in our community to share His love with others. We hope you have a great experience at Overlake this morning. God bless you.
expectation, crying out in desperation for you. together yes so good morning the youth did this song last week and it's just we've just been singing it at our house all week long and decided to do it this morning but it's just a good little anthem to sing out as a church together and singing of of God just breathing life into us and calling us out of some some graves and some dark places and so let's sing it out together
so beautiful. I feel like we need this rhythm of coming together to really just all the craziness of life to just sing words like that that help us fix our eyes on Jesus. Be reminded of what he's done for us and then and, 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 and ask that his spirit would lead us in giving us wisdom. It's so good. Well, I'm Pat. I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and, and it's just so, such a joy to be together. Uh, I, I'm excited for what, what, what we have in store in, in, in the coming moments together as we hear from Pastor Neely as we continue to walk through the book of Acts. And, and as you came in, you received a handout. And in there, there's a, there's a lot of news, a lot of things going on that's worth looking at. But one thing that gets tucked in there week after week is this guy. The connection card, and and if you if you've come to Overlake more more than once, you know that this is something we're we're kind of big on. We we'd love to know the best way to stay in connection with you. What's the, what's the best email or even snail mail or or different things on the front? Best way to keep you in the loop on opportunities here. And then on the back, we'd love to be able to care well for you and for your family. So so let us know of maybe a next step you're taking in your faith journey or a way we can be praying for you throughout the week. Uh, you can write that on the back, and and we'll collect these later. Uh, we'll pass buckets and collect these later. Uh, if it's your first time, though, we want to make sure you leave here with a gift from us. So hold on to your connection card. Uh, swing by the Connection Center. It's on the first floor right as you exit the Worship Center. And, 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 and the folks there, they'll trade this for a delicious gift. Trust me, it's delicious. You'll want it. You don't want to pass it up. So make sure if it's your first time, you get that gift from us. Well, let's do this. We're all like in this state of knowing it's summer, and yet we all walk through mist to get in here. And so we're going to need to kind of kind of care well for those around us. It's not just going to be a time now to greet those near you, but maybe just intercede that the sun will come. Find someone to pray with. We need the sun to break out, all right? So take 30 seconds, meet those near you, and, and let's see if we can get the sun to come out. Go for it. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. So good to be here. My name is Neely, and I'm one of the pastors on the team here. And it's good to be here on this nice summer day, right? It's a little, I don't know, some of us who have very sensitive skin every once in a while appreciate a little bit of a break. Um, so I'm happy to be here. I, I don't mind the mist a little bit, um, as long as it isn't like that for the rest of the year, you know? Um, we are continuing our series on the book of Acts, walking through it, and today we get to talk about this guy named Saul, who we also know him as Paul, right? Um, his name, we make a big deal about his name. I actually think because names are a big deal, right? Um, my name is a different kind of unique name, Neely. You don't meet, I've heard there are other Neelys out there. I've actually never met any, um, which I would love to meet. Um, when I was a child, I was very frustrated by my name. Um, people tend to ask you a lot of questions when you have a weird name or a different name. Like, is that your real name? Which, here's the deal. If I'm going to pick a fake name, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be like Shakira, you know? 
I'm really going to go for it. Um, so no, it's my real name, or is it short for anything? And I'm like, do I look like a Cornelius? Like, I don't know what it would be short for. What would you call me? You know, like, I don't, I'm not sure. So it's my real name. My parents gave it to me. And when I was a child, there was a show on TV that everybody my age was obsessed with. And it made my life so hard. Any Little House on the Prairie fans? Yeah. There was a, a, a character you didn't want to be on that show. And our names were very close. Maybe you recognized her from this photo, Nellie, Nellie Olson. Yeah, oh, and my mom used to do ringlets. Very sad, it was a hard life for me, you know? So I actually came to kindergarten one day and said, you know, I uh, just wanted to tell my teacher, my parents have changed my name. And they're like, oh really, that's interesting. I said, yes, I'm Jennifer. There was four other Jennifers in our class. I was like, please just let me blend in. Like, I just wanna be like everybody else. But we make a big deal about Saul Paul's name. And so to, this morning I want to like start out with a little bit of our very own episode of Mythbusters. Um, it's commonly taught, and I don't know if it's just creative thinking, but that Saul's name was changed to Paul upon conversion. And that's actually just not true. His name didn't change. It's actually the same name. Saul and Paul are the same exact name. Saul is his Hebrew name. Paul is his Greek name. Same name. Interesting, right? Super sorry if I've ruined like a really meaningful moment for you one time in another service. Don't worry. It, it, when I discovered this too, I was like, oh, what? No, um, I'm not mealy anymore. No, just kidding. I, um, so we meet Saul. Let's look at Saul. Let's look at his life and determine who he is. We, we find him first in chapter 8 of Acts. 8 1 says this Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Now, Stephen was one of the uh, elected new disciples, the new apostles. When Judas died and it took his own life, he was replaced on the day of Pentecost, and Stephen was one of those that replaced him. And Stephen was preaching the gospel, and he was uh, stoned. He was killed. And this story here is our first introduction to Saul, is that he's bearing witness. He's standing and watching it, and he agrees with it. And then just two verses later, it says this. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Not a great guy. And then we see him again in chapter 9, which is where we're going to hang out a little bit more today. In the very beginning, it says this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in, Damas in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in arrest of any of the followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So here's the deal. Our first introduction to Saul is that he's a violent man. He's filled with so much hate and rage for anyone who identifies with Jesus that he not only wants to see them pulled from their homes, put in jail, or even killed. Chapter 8 says that he just watched. He stood and watched as a man was killed with rocks. He was complacent as a witness to that. 
And he's going everywhere, it says in chapter 8, that to destroy the church. He's literally dragging people out of their homes and throwing them into jail. Chapter 9, it's such an interesting phrasing that the author Luke uses here. It says, with every breath he breathes, it's an utter, it's to utter a threat. Every breath is uttering threats to kill the people of Jesus, men and women. He's a violent man. It, it, some might even describe him as pure evil. And I think we have this habit of glossing over stories in the Bible that make us uncomfortable. If it doesn't look good on the flannel graph or in the veggie tale, we, we just want to skip right over it. But here's the deal. This time of the church is filled with so much violence, so much killing, so much persecution. There's so much loss and fear because of a man named Saul. Saul was a murderer. Before Saul became an apostle, before he preached the gospel, before he wrote these letters that would become part of the Bible we read, he was a violent killer of Christians. Man, I, sometimes that just has to sink in a little bit for me. My friends um, Pat and Lee, they want me to let you know that if you're having a hard time imagining what he was like, they said he's like John Wick. I have no idea what that means, but if that helps you with context, you're welcome. He was, he was pure evil. Before Saul encountered the light, he was an evil man. And that's actually the first truth I want to pack in right this morning as you're filling. It's this, that Saul's story reminds us that we're saved from our past. Saul was saved from his evil way. He was saved from his violence. If we continue in chapter 9, this is what it says. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, isn't that even an interesting word? Here in Acts 9, it says he was on a mission. And we use that word here in church to talk about missions, to go to spread. His mission is literally to destroy people's lives. It's, it's so interesting to me. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind, so his companions had to lead him by hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. So Saul's coming along, he hears the voice of Jesus, and Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Now this is interesting, it's similar language that Jesus used when he was talking about feeding the poor, or giving water to the thirsty, or visiting the prisoner. He says, well, Jesus says this statement, what you do to the least of these, you've done to me. And that's what Jesus is saying to Paul, when, when you persecute me, when you violently drag these people out of their home, when you kill them, when you stand back and watch them die, you are doing that to me. 
And Paul is left blind and stunned, and his response is to fast and pray. And then here is where we're introduced to Ananias, this new character. And this is the only account of this believer in the Bible. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Pat talked about another Ananias. And this Ananias, that Ananias is no longer with us in the book of Acts, if you remember that story. He, he may he rest in peace. Um, financial peace. Oh, that was too good. That was easy. Um, uh, <laughs> I should have put that in there because I could have worked it better. Uh, but... This Ananias is nowhere else in the book of Acts. This is the only time he shows up. His name actually shows up again because Saul talks about him. Saul talks about his own conversion story to the religious leaders, and he mentions Ananias. But we don't see Ananias anywhere else. And so more than ever, this man caught my attention this week as I was preparing. Who is this guy? Why did God pick him? Why did he choose him out of everyone? And what was God really asking this man to do? And we're going to come back to that in a little bit, but we're going to continue first with the story, picking up in verse 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. Where you get there, when you get there, ask for a man from Taurus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. Okay, so... Paul has this radical conversion on the road. He has this salvation moment where he is saved from his violent ways. He's saved from his past. But there's something interesting that appears in this passage. It's that he's saved for something else also. He's not just saved from his past. He's saved for a calling. And the good news for us is that this invitation to follow Jesus isn't just a simple invitation from our past. It's also an invitation for our future. Jesus said this, right? He said, those who believe in me won't perish, but they'll have everlasting life. A salvation from death. But Jesus also said, be the light of the world, be the salt of the earth. It's a salvation for something. Even Saul, when he would go on to write letters to the churches, he would talk about salvation as something much more full than just being saved from something. A couple of his letters, this one example, in Ephesians 2, it says this, but God is so rich in his mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, we're saved from something. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. 
go down all the way to verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he has planned. A saved for something. In 1 Timothy, Paul, Saul writes, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life, saved for something. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life, saved from something. Saul's words, saved from sin, saved from death, saved from our past, saved for good things, saved for life to the fullest, saved for Christ's work. There is a fullness to salvation. Saul is saved from his evil ways. But verse 15 says this. God says this to Ananias. Saul is my chosen instrument. And I will use him. He will be the one who proclaims the good news to the Gentiles, to the kings, and even to the people of Israel. Saul was saved for something. He was saved for the good news. And that's the second thing that reminds us, too, from this story, is that we, too, are safe for participation in God's work in the world. So it's interesting. If Saul didn't get a new name, and Paul is just the Greek version of his name, why? Well, a lot of scholars believe that Saul chose to go by Paul because he spent so much time with non-Hebrew speaking people. He, he came to the Gentiles. He came to the Greek listeners. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, I become all things to all people. So even Paul's switching of his name in Scripture, which you'll see happens in a couple chapters later in Acts, it's always about what he's saved for, his mission, who he's called to. And like Paul, you and I, were saved from our past. We are saved from our brokenness, from our sin, from our shame. We're saved from that, from our tendency to hurt others. We are invited to be saved from that. Amen. And like Paul, we are invited to participate in his good work. But here's what I know. You and I, we don't feel like Paul. We think about this story and we're like, first of all, my story doesn't even start like Paul's, right? I'm not out killing people, persecuting. I'm not that bad of a person. And then I don't have any kind of radical conversion. There was no light. There was no voice. And let's just be honest. I'm not going to plant a whole bunch of churches, and no one's going to turn my letters into part of the Bible, right? Right? And so we start to minimize ourselves and we're like, well, that's not who we are. We're not Paul Saul. So it's a, it's a great story how God took a very violent person and saved him to be the greatest missionary. But that's, that's great for him. And, and I find myself falling into that trap too. What does that have to do with me and my life? And I think that's why Ananias caught my attention so much. I think that's why suddenly he stood out to me because Ananias is essential to this story. He plays such a key role in this story. And Ananias, 
because we understand the gospel, he's also saved from something. Ananias is saved from his sin. He's saved from his past as well. And while I don't always feel comfortable, I, I sometimes wrestle with talking about sin, mostly because I think we, we get stuck in shame when we talk about sin. Most of us get stuck there. But I turn on the news every day and I see that we're sinning against each other all the time. It'd be hard to turn my eyes away from sin. It's everywhere. We're hurting each other with our words, with our hands. Maybe we aren't killing people or dragging people from their homes, but we are for sure participating in systems that bring disunity, that bring pain. And whether it's in our workplace, our community, or our home, we, we participate in sin. We may not literally be dragging people out of their homes, but we are dragging people's name through the mud in conversations, online. And so just like Saul, just like Ananias, you and I are saved from something. There's an invitation to be saved from our brokenness, to be saved from the hurt we cause others. And just like Ananias, in this story, he was saved for something. Here he is, this unknown believer. We don't know anything about him. We don't know why God chose him. Last week, Jonathan that was with us, he talked about uh, Philip being a deacon. But Ananias doesn't even have a church leadership role. We don't even know, who, we, we don't know why he was chosen. But we do know that the good news getting to the Gentiles, which means getting to us, hinges on his obedience, hinges on him being willing to accept that God has saved him for something. And he sounds like us too, right? Because he's like, but God, are you sure? Do you know this Saul guy? Do you sh are you sure you want us to go? Like, I, Here's how I know we relate to this. Every once in a while, we do a plug for um, volunteers in student ministries and in Kid Town, and, and people fill out connection cards. And I can imagine um, how it goes. Some of you are like feeling like, oh, maybe, maybe God's telling me, you feel a little nudging to serve with students. And maybe, or maybe you're like a little, my God, they're teenagers, they're so weird. There's, there's an odor around them. You get used to it, it's true. And, you know, um, you numb, you're numb to it, you know. Um, you, you start to, you, you think, you kind of have a little argument in service, but you do it anyway. You fill out the connection card. And then my team sends you an email. And those emails go unresponded to. Almost 100% of the time. And it's because we have these, but Lord, moments, just like Ananias. We have these moments where, are you sure this is what you're asking me to do? Ananias only had one, right? He only had one but Lord moment. And I think in that moment, Ananias lost sight of who God is and what God is capable of doing. He lost sight of the God who Paul says will do beyond what we can imagine and expect. He lost sight of that. He couldn't imagine that the church's worst enemy would become the church's greatest missionary. He had no imagination for it for one moment. 
Can I be honest with you? I think the church has lost our imagination. I think we've lost our imagination. Let me explain it this way. I love working with students because like, I'm talking to middle schoolers and high schoolers, and I'm like, you guys, we can change the world. We can make sure no one ever goes hungry again. And teenagers are like, yeah. Like they're in. They're like, with God, we can do anything. And so they start, they're like, what do we need to do? What should we do? Should we raise money? In fact, one year, uh, 10 years ago, there was a student in our ministry. Called, his name was Anthony. And Anthony grew up in the foster care system. He knew hunger himself. And so when he heard about all the people in the world who were going hungry and we were partnering with World Vision, he was like, I can raise money. So at Juanita High School, he started walking down the halls asking people for their change. At lunch, he'd be like, did you spend all your lunch money? Give me your change. People are hungry around the world. <laughs> he started telling everybody. We started telling his story. There was a few adults here that said, you know what, whatever Anthony raises, I'll match. And, and then World Vision hears about Anthony and says, we need to bring, world, need to bring Anthony to World Vision because he needs to tell our staff his story. But here's the deal. Anthony didn't end hunger. And you and I are already thinking that, right? We're already, well, like, it's a sweet story, but did he do anything? Did it really matter? Because we're like already in our minds going, hunger's impossible. You can't solve that. It's, the world's too corrupt. There's just too many people. It's not, Neely, you're not being real. You're selling something unrealistic to teenagers. Because we have lost our imagination. We have lost our ability to see that the God of the universe wants to partner with us to bring his kingdom to the world. And it doesn't depend on what we can do. It depends on who he is. And we've lost our imagination. And this is why I think this matters. You can write this in as you're filling. It's very cleverly all eyes just for you. Imagination impacts intentions. If Ananias can't imagine that God could save Saul's life, then it impacts his intentions. It impacts his actions. And if you and I can't imagine that God would want us to participate, then it's going to impact our intentions. And if we can't imagine that God would change our enemy into our friend, then we will remain enemies forever. If we can't imagine a world where God's peace reigns, where every life matters, then that will impact our intentions. And I believe we've lost our imagination. On Monday, our weekly uh, leadership team here at Overlake gathered around and we began to ask, God, what are we doing here? What have you called us to do? And it was this moment of asking for spirit-led imagination. Could we imagine a world where God takes the most hateful person we know and transforms them into the greatest ambassador for Christ? Could we imagine that? One of my heroes, Martin Luther King Jr., he had an amazing imagination, right? His famous speech, I have a dream. That's an imagination. It's an imagination. He says this, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. 
So I tried this challenge this week myself, and I'd encourage you, maybe you should try it too. But I tried this challenge where um, I thought of the person who brought the most negative emotions to mind, whether it's sadness because of how they've hurt me or anger, how they've rejected me, whatever. I, I wanted to feel who is the person that brings about the most negative emotion for me. Could I imagine God transforming them? I couldn't. And my imagination impacts my intentions with that person. So I began to pray, God, would you give me the imagination of Dr. King? Would you give me the imagination of Ananias? That you would give me the imagination to see people for what you can do in them and not for what they make me feel. If we could imagine that God could impact another life through us, what would it do? That's why I love working with students. I love working with them because I see this all the time. I see the amazing adult volunteers that we have who give their time. This last year, every student who was baptized in our ministry was not baptized by a pastor on staff, but by their small group leader. And I listened to graduated seniors talk about the people that made the biggest difference in their life in their ministry, and it was not my team's name. It was their adult volunteer. I believe, and here's, here's I, I believe in the impact of everybody. Here's one of my favorite volunteers. Her name's Betty, and here's a photo of her. And she showed up at a high school graduation this year. She showed up with her shofar. And she showed up because these graduating seniors, she had walked around their school with them and prayed with them and served with them and supported them to go on the mission field. Betty has the greatest imagination for the next generation. I believe. And it's grown my imagination. But here's the deal. I think there are more young people in our community who need an adult who has an imagination for their life. If we could imagine that God's kingdom could come to earth, our imagination would impact how we care for our community, our families, this creation. We would think of so many creative ways to bring God's kingdom to earth. Instead, most of us run and hide. We should be running to jump in, to participate, to help, to listen, to serve. One of my favorite authors, she said this, Christianity isn't meant to simply be believed. It's meant to be lived, shared, eaten, spoken, and enacted in the presence of other people. Both Paul and Ananias were saved from something, just like you and I. And both Paul and Ananias were saved for something, just like you and I. That's an invitation to you. An invitation to walk away from your past that is brokenness and hurt. And an invitation to have an awakening of your imagination. You can follow Jesus. You can be saved from. You can be saved for. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. For God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. 
We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Salvation from and for. Going back to Paul's name, it's our final fill-in, is that you don't need a name change to change a life. My prayer is that God would awaken your heart to salvation and awaken your imagination to the fullness of that salvation. Will you stand and pray with me? Jesus, we are so grateful for the invitation to leave behind our old ways, to leave behind our pain, our past, our brokenness, our tendency to hurt. God, we thank you for the salvation that says you've made us new, that we're a new creation. We thank you for that. God, I also thank you that you've invited us into something. You saved us for something. God, I pray for every person in this room that you would begin to awaken their imagination, their faith, their, their belief that you have called them to something, for something. God, that we might have a holy imagination for what the world could be. And that holy imagination would lead us to take steps of faith would lead us to speak and care and love in ways we could not imagine without your Holy Spirit giving it to us. God, we, we are people who long to see your goodness, who long to see your glory in this world, who long to see your kingdom. May we accept the invitation to be participants.
That's it. I think if imagination impacts our intentions, I think we need the spirit. We have to invite Jesus to, hey, do a transformational work. And that's exactly, that's exactly what that song's speaking to. And I love how it says, and where there's new wine, there's new power, there's new freedom. It, it speaks through the spirit that flows through us. This power of love that, that can transform enemies into friends begins to be in play. And so it's powerful, guys. It's powerful. Uh, in this moment, you can take a seat, and, and as you're doing that, you can find the connection card I mentioned earlier, and now's a good chance to finish uh, maybe, maybe updating things on the front, or, or, or maybe even a, a prayer request came to mind, uh, maybe even just during that song. And so if you just want to jot what that is uh, on the back, uh, we, we'd love to be lifting that up for you throughout the week. And as you're filling those out, 
Uh, I just want to mention something. It's in the handout as well. Uh, it, it's just an update as to, to where Overlake's at when it comes to finances and, and the Overlake ministry budget. And so uh, it's just a reminder that, that summertime, it's, it's, it's easy to kind of disengage or check out or get distracted with things. And so this is, this is just a reminder of let's check back in. If, 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 if maybe uh, you just haven't been as committed or as consistent as, as, um, as we all ought to be, that we're, we should all be in on this. And that's really what we see in the book of Acts, that, that we're just inviting you. Now, now's a great chance for, for a course correction on that front. And, um, and, and I really think, I know, Overlake's like the most generous church ever. This week, I got a car stolen, and, uh, and it's found now, so, so it worked out good. But, but within 24 hours, people were just hitting up Leah and I with, hey, use our car. Hey, we got money if you need to buy a new one. Hey, we'd love to give you rides. Hey, da-da-da-da. So I know it's not a generosity issue. I know it's just probably more of a distraction issue when it, when it comes to, 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 to giving and finances and, and the faithfulness around here. So just, just a reminder. Uh, well, let's do this. Ushers, you can come forward and we'll pass those buckets to receive the connection cards and gifts, ties, and offerings. And, and again, you can do it online. It's easy to set up. Uh, my wife and I, we do the, the regular online giving that's reoccurring. It, it keeps us accountable. We'd be totally terrible otherwise. But uh, uh, so, so, so there's other ways to give if, if the, the bucket looks weird. Um, so, so as those are being passed, I want to invite up Pastor Laura to share from, from the Serve the World team of just things that are happening around the world that really, again, your, your, your financial faithfulness helps make possible. So Laura, if you'd like to share some of those things Hi. with us. Good morning. And it is my privilege to share just what your contributions are able to make happen. And I think there's going to be some pictures that are going to show what's been happening this summer. And I'm going to start right here at home. Um, just a couple weeks ago, we were able to have a soccer camp for Muslim refugee kids um, down in Federal Way. And it, you guys, it was just an amazing time of just watching the joy on the faces of these kids as they got to learn how to play soccer. But what was even more beautiful was knowing that each and every single one of these kids was able to hear about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, so just a really special time. And we actually did a similar event just a couple months ago um, over in the Middle East. We had a soccer camp as well, and we brought a team of people over from Overlake. And not only did we get to do soccer, but we also got to hang out, and this was for refugees as well. We got to hang out in the refugee camps and just get to know families, hear their stories, encourage them. And, you know, these people have walked in such hard places, and it was just amazing to see people come and be able to support them. And then around the world in Thailand, we recently this summer had a team that went out and these, um, this team was ministering directly in the bars and reaching out to women who have been um, trafficked into the sex industry there in Thailand. And um, the team was able to provide hope for these young girls and providing them options and opportunities just to be able to get out. And from reports that I've heard, Several of the girls that were reached out to are already um, joining classes um, at our educational center there through our partners. So it's pretty incredible. And then um, earlier this summer as well, we had a team that went to North Africa and we were able to um, join a ministry there reaching out to children with um, disabilities. And actually you probably don't know this, but many years ago, over like invested um, in the first center there that reached out 
um, and provided services for children with disabilities. And now that ministry has multiplied over the years. And I think now we have over 40 different centers and associations that are helping these, these children. And we got to bring a team that helped um, train those workers. So it was, it was really neat. And lastly, um, just about a week or two ago, we had a team in Kenya as well, and as many of you guys are aware of our project that we have going on in Kenya, um, in Kitali, and the reports that I heard were just amazing as far as the ministry is flourishing, and within the, the year of when we launched in Kitali, we already have over 200 children that have been reintegrated back into families, so yes. praise God. Awesome, so awesome. Uh, briefly, if yeah. people want to, I know there's, there's upcoming trips and opportunities yeah. and stuff. If people just want to hear more about what's coming up, what, what should they do? Yeah, come. Um, there's lots of trips and things going on. So come and um, see me at the Serve the World desk. I'd be happy to, to speak with you. Um, we have a link, um, a website back here that you could check out that has more information. But we would love to have any of you guys along on a team or, or just to help to participate in whatever way. So Awesome. Right on. Uh, let's all stand. I'm going to have Laura bless us out of here in just a moment. Uh, two things, two things. Uh, raise your hand if you live in Woodenville or Duval. Be proud, be proud. Okay, so these are the people that love the new wine song that we just sang a few minutes ago. Uh, and, and there's a park party for you at, 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 at Cottage Lake Park. It's on Woodenville Duval Road. And, and at 5 o'clock, just bring a side, bring something to share. It's going to be 79 degrees and sunny. The grass is going to be green. The air will be fresh. It's going to be amazing. Great chance to meet overlakers who live near you and some, some neighbors, make some new friends. And so... Uh, make sure you get, you get there and bring the kids, bring the family, uh, bring neighbors, bring strangers, bring whoever you want. Um, and, and that'll be happening at five o'clock. And then secondly, if there's any way we can be praying for you, but before you leave here at church this morning, uh, swing by the prayer room. It's on the second floor in the lobby. We got signs that'll direct you there. Uh, but we have a great team that just loves to listen and loves to pray. And so a great opportunity to take advantage of before you leave church this morning. Let's do this. Let's, let's be blessed. All right. Um, I'm going to read a passage actually from Isaiah, and I would love for you just to close your eyes and just let the words sink in. Overlake, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will shine, will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame, and you will be like a well-watered garden. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that our imaginations run wild for you, and Lord, that we continue to serve you and um, just glorify you in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, you guys. That was such a great passage.